one root. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put only on our light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desire of the sinful nature. Thanks very much. Well, please have your Bibles open there at Romans 13. We're presently going to be series in Romans. And the big title of the series is the Gospel at Five. And when we see the Gospel working in our lives, it shapes us as we can see into a people of love, love for one another, which was in chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and then in chapter 13, love for the governing authorities, and then in this section we see love for the world, or love for our neighbours. Well, we need the Holy Spirit to help us in this, and we're going to pray and ask for His help as we look at God's Word together. So let's pray. Father, we come to you because you have promised to pour out your Holy Spirit upon all those who ask. And therefore, would you please send your Spirit amongst us to be at work within us as a church family so that we may understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it may change us and work in our lives so that we become a people of love. We ask for your help to us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, tell me, have you all paid up your debt? Have you? Well, look at verse 7 of chapter 13. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes, if revenue, then revenue. As we saw last week, as an expression of our love to the governing authorities, we pay all that we owe. No matter what it is, whether it's the water tax or the property tax, pay off all your debt. Now if you're feeling quite smug because you have paid your tax, there's one area of life where we should always be in debt. Look at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. Except, and here it is, the continuing debt to love one another. You see, the church that has come to believe and experience the gospel will be seen in a continuing debt to love 
Because as the gospel takes an effect in our life, it shapes us into a people of love. Not just for one another within the church family, but for the wider world. Or as it says at the end of verse 8, love for our fellow man. Or look at the end of verse 9, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the people who we work with, people that we live with, people that we bump into every day. At the end of each year, I sit down and I work out what tax I should pay. I calculate my income, less expenses, then apply the tax rate, and then tells me the figure that I have to pay, and I pay off my debt. Now, when we do the sums, when we calculate and consider the love of God towards us, when I look and see how Christ has taken my sin debt and paid it off with his death on the cross, when I see how he has credited to my account his perfection, so that I am then treated as God's own son, when I calculate all of this, and when I add to that his steadfast love and his faithful love towards me, I am continually in debt. Not a debt that I pay to earn his favour, but a debt of grateful thanks that is paid in the currency of love to all those around him. I don't take this debt to earn his favour, but rather it's a grateful expression of love to those around me. There's three things that we want to learn about this debt of love. The first one is this. Love is only made possible by God. Let's read verse 8 again. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Now, I'm sure we all realise that we don't have to be with people very long before you realise that loving people, never mind on a continual basis, is actually really hard, isn't it? Even the people we're married to, or people within our family. In fact, without God, loving people is impossible. Have a look with me back to chapter 7. Go back to Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Here Paul is describing his, his struggle. This is before he is a Christian. Okay, here he's describing his struggle to obey or fulfill the law without God. And this is what he says, like his life. Verse 18. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now how many of us can relate to that? We know we should love the annoying work colleagues. 
We know we should love our grumpy neighbor, but we just don't seem to do it. The fact is, we simply can't obey God's law. We can't love as we should love. But here's the point. God has actually made it possible for us to love. And how did he make it possible? Well, continue the argument in chapter 8, verse 3. Halfway down in chapter 8, verse 3, the middle of verse 3. This is how God makes it possible to love. It tells us there that God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man. It's telling us that Jesus came to exchange places with us, and he was as a lawbreaker for us. He took the blame for all the times we have not loved as we should. And why did he do that? Well, look at verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. That means we are now by our faith treated and accepted as if we had been kept and fulfilled and obeyed the law. The law-keeping perfection of Jesus is now applied to our life. It's now credited to our account. But something even more incredible than this, not only does he take our sin, not only does he give us his perfection, but he gives us, look at the end of verse 4, so that we no longer live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. He gives us his Holy Spirit's power so that we can obey his law. Verse 8 of chapter 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, the Christian, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. In other words, God works in us by his Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit and he changes and transforms our lives to make it possible for us to be able to love our neighbours as ourselves. Love is made possible by God because we are loved by God. Go back to chapter 13 and verse 9. Because when the love of God has taken effect, it means we can love our neighbour. Chapter 13, verse 9. The commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbour as yourself. You see, when we come to believe and experience the gospel, I can now love. The commandments, the law that are described here, is not to earn God's love. The law is there to teach us. That's where we learn how to love. The law shows me what love looks like in practice. So what does love look like? Well, look at verse 10. Love does no harm to its neighbour. That's what love is. It doesn't do any harm to its neighbour. Not just the person sitting there living next door to you, but the people you work with and live with, the people whose bones have broke shoulders with every day. 
So let me give you a couple of examples of what this love might look like. He's given them to us in verse 9. See the beginning of verse 9? Do not commit adultery. That means because of my love for others, I am not going to take somebody else's wife. But it also means that I will not look lustfully at another woman, whether that's on the TV or on the computer. Love changes the way we treat and the way we look at one another. Or look at verse 9. The end of verse 9 says, Do not steal. That doesn't just mean thieving out of the shop. It means that because of my love for those I work with, because of my love for the employer, I'm not going to skive off early. And I'm not going to make up expenses that don't really exist to try and get a little bit more. I will love my employer. You see, we cause no harm to our neighbour. We love each other well. And the law is not just don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, don't steal. But look at verse 9, whatever other commandment there may be. We are to love our neighbour. Yes, it's hard, but God has made it possible. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Love is not only made possible by God, but love is spurred on by glory. So look at verse 11. And do this, that is, love your neighbour as yourself, understanding the present time. Now, I get it, okay? I'm with you on this. We struggle to love people as we should. And so we need to remember that one day the struggle to love is going to be over because we will be in glory and we are going to love You see, right now we're living in a time that we call, or as he refers to it here in verse 11, the present time. That means we're living in an age between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming. Okay, that's the age of the time, of the period that we are actually in. And the experience within the time we uh, waiting for Christ's return, there is this battle with the sinful nature. So look at the end of verse 14. It says, And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. There's a battle going on inside of us. The sinful nature doesn't want to love others, it wants to love self. And so it battles away at us. But the good news here is, in verse 11, is that glory is coming. Christ is going to return soon. Look what it says in verse 11, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. He's saying, look, wake up. Soon the battle that we're in is all going to be over and we will love perfectly and continually. Our salvation is near. The fact that you woke up this morning means that you are nearer glory than you are than you were yesterday. So because of what is to come, go on loving your neighbor. C.S. Lewis captures 
this nearness of glory and the expectancy of glory in the voyage of the gold credit, which is part of the Chronicles of Narnia. Let me just read to you a quote, which I think captures the expectation to what we're looking for. Lucy and Edmund and Reef Chief, the mighty mouse, are sailing east towards the very end of the world. There was no need to row, for the current drifted them steadily to the east. None of them slept or ate. All that night and the all next day they glided eastward, and when the third day dawned, with a fright that you or I could not bear, even if we had dark glasses on, they saw a wonder ahead. It was as if a wall stood up between them and the sky, a greenish grey trembling shimmering wall, then up came the sun, and at its first rising they saw it through the wall, and it turned into wonderful rainbow colours. Now they could look at the rising sun and see it clearly, and see things beyond it. What they saw eastward beyond the sun was a range of mountains. These were warm and green and full of forests and waterfalls, however high you looked. No one in the boat doubted that they were seen beyond the end of the world into Aslan country. This, said Rikichi, is where I go on alone. Then hastily he got into his cargo and took his paddle. The cargo went more and more quickly, and beautifully it rushed up the wind. For one split second they saw it shape and reach deep at the very top. Then it vanished. And since that moment, no one can truly claim to have seen Reaper Chief the man. But my belief is that he has come safe to Aslan's country and is alive there to this day. You see, we're people on a journey. We're longing for Aslan's country. We're longing for the sun to rise and for the new day to begin. We're looking at verse 12. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. We are longing for glory. We are longing when the battle will be over and sinful nature will be no more. And we will love perfectly and continually glory is on the horizon. So go on loving all those that you meet and work with every day. So, love is made possible by God. Love is spurred on by glory. And the third thing about love is that it is driven by the gospel. Look at verse 12, the second part. So in the light of glory to come, because that is one day going to be ours, here's how we live in the present, end of, end of verse 12. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. If we are going to be a loving church, a loving people, we've got to engage in the battle to love. It doesn't come easy. We've got to fight for it. We must put on, verse 12, the armor of Christ, 
clothing of the Lord Jesus. This is what we need to put on as we step out into the battle to be able to love one another. Verse 13. Let us be vain decently as in the daytime. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery, fulfilling our own pleasures. Not in dissension, full of arguments and jealousy. You see those behaviors that are listed there? They have one thing in common. They all have a deep love for self. Because all of these behaviors are all about satisfying my desires and fulfilling my pleasures. It's all a very self-centered love. Now, unless we put on the armor of life, we're going to end up following the deeds of darkness. That's what's going to happen. Instead of continually loving others, we will continually love self. We've got to engage in the battle, darling. We've got to face up to it. It's real and intense, and the sinful nature longs to be satisfied with self-love. That's why Christians do, and why we can at times get drunk. That's why Christians do at times watch porn and gossip about others. Not because it's right, but because it's good, but because the battle of the sinful nature wins over. And followers of Christ behave like this because we crave self we want to satisfy our own desires. And if we're continually loving self, well, we can't love others. We're too busy trying to satisfy our own needs and our own pleasures. Instead, we need a gospel-driven love. Verse 14. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Instead of thinking up ways to secretly satisfy our sinful nature, instead of planning and scheming what we can do, instead we clothe ourselves with Christ. In other words, we let the gospel of Christ shape us and transform us and drive us to be a people of love. So what does that look like? What does it mean to clothe yourself with Christ? Well, suppose for a minute that your job requires you to wear a uniform. Every time you go to work in the morning, you need to put on your uniform. Maybe you're a guard, maybe you're a doctor. And every morning when you get up and you put on your clothes, when you put on your uniform, your uniform, your clothes tell you and remind you who you are. I'm a guard. And it tells you what your job is and why you keep justice and peace. And in the same way as Christians, in the morning, as we get up throughout the day, we are to clothe ourselves with Christ. We are to remind ourselves of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the uniform that we dress ourselves in and we put ourselves in. Because the gospel tells us who we are and what we are to do. It reminds me as I clothe myself with Christ that Christ has died for my sin. That he has taken the blame for all the time I have not loved as I should. And that he now treats me as his own son, accepted and forgiven. It also tells me 
Christ. We put on the armor of life. We put on the gospel. We remind ourselves of all that he has done. This is what we trust in. And this is what we believe in as the church. It reminds us that we have been incredibly loved by God. And he has made it possible to love one another. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love. We can love on our own. God has made it possible. We find it hard, but glory is coming. The struggle will be over and we will continually love. Until we get there, we put on the armor of life, we clothe ourselves with Christ, and we go out into the world, demonstrating and living a life of love as Christ has loved us. Let's pray. Thank you that you have made it.